in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Welcome, welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Is this? No, last, last week's was the 13th episode but this is 13 and one to grow on. <laughs> it's so. 13 minus 10. What? Because 3 is 13 minus 10. It will come out the third. Oh, yes. Okay. So it's Friday the third. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Friday the third. Yes, yes. We're coming to you from uh, somewhere else on the timeline. You're hearing this while we're in Atlanta, Georgia. That's true. How can both those things happen at once? Technology. Isn't it amazing? It's crazy. I mm-hmm. don't know how it works. But we're here today for you on Friday to tell your odd but true stories. And Christy, once again, your curation skills are on fire. You, <laughs> you curate know? you're a great curator of oh, many things. You. Many, many things. But I it takes a lot not just to have the good taste, but also the order that they go in. Well, I love it. I appreciate that. I am like a docent for <laughs> The supernatural. <laughs> You're a freaky docent, girl, and I love it. Here for I it. I need a shirt that says freaky docent, please. Freaky docent. <laughs> well, we do. We have some some good ones. A um, couple of these have, I, I, I was feeling like a kind of a thread or a theme amongst mm-hmm. some of them. So I included some that like kind of had a similar type of vibe, but they're all still very different. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. Mm -hmm. This first one is from Jen, and this is called The Lady in the Well. Hello, ladies. Love that you're doing Freaky Friday episodes now because I live for ghost stories and creepy encounters. And boy, do I have a doozy of my own to share with you. I'm an archaeologist in Saskatchewan, Canada, and have been working in my field for around a decade. When I was in graduate school, my archaeology supervisor at the time was also the forensic anthropologist for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. With a job like that, you can imagine he's seen his fair share of messed up crap, including helping to identify the human remains found on Robert Picton's pig farm. Although this might upset you, Robert Picton isn't the subject of the story I'm now sending you, but I promise it's still crazy and worth a read. Local and national media like to refer to this case as the Lady in the Well, and as you'll soon learn, it's not as romantic as it sounds. This case also has several personal connections to me, not only because several of my professors in university helped identify some of the evidence, but my grandma lived just down the street from the scene of the crime. The story takes place at a local convenience store in my grandma's neighborhood, which had an old gas tank that was buried and finally slated for removal in 2006. While excavating, the crew noticed something odd at the bottom of the pit and went down to investigate. Little did they know, they were about to discover the country's oldest cold case, the Lady in the Well. At the base of the excavation pit, they found a decaying wooden barrel containing human remains and other items. Obviously doing their best not to shit their pants, they realized they were dealing with something serious and called the police. 
My supervisor, being a forensic anthropologist, was also called to the crime scene to help identify the remains. Upon investigation, it was determined that the body belonged to a young woman who had been murdered a long time ago. That being said, certain conditions allowed for some pretty amazing preservation of the body and the clothing she was wearing at the time of her death. Based on her clothing and some of the other items that were found with her, the woman was likely murdered in the early 20th century. A DNA sample was taken and analyzed, and from this, they were able to create a profile of the victim. She was in her mid-20s at the time of her death, had auburn hair, and was likely of middle-class status. Archival records indicated that an old hotel stood at the location where the convenience store now stands, and buildings from this era typically had wells in the basements. Most likely scenario is that the murderer did his best to hide her body by stuffing it in a barrel and tossing it down the well. Guess he did a pretty great job since it took almost a century for her body to be discovered. Despite the age of this cold case, investigators are doing their best to try and solve it and potentially bring closure to a family who might be wondering, what happened to mom, grandma, auntie? So far, they've done a facial reconstruction of the victim and have had several families come forward offering to compare their DNA with hers. Unfortunately, there haven't been any hits so far, and the case remains unsolved to this day. Hope you enjoyed this story. Who knows, maybe by reading it on the podcast, a listener with relatives who lived in the area around the time that lady was murdered will be inspired to send in their DNA. It would be fantastic to give this woman a name and provide closure to this very, very cold case. Keep it creepy, ladies. Come to Canada sometime soon. That is phenomenal what they can do with the scientific advances of determining hair, time of death. And or not time of death, but you know, year of death, mm-hmm. approximate year. I wonder if they could do some genealogical te- use of the DNA, where you try to map out a family tree and maybe mm. see if there's like living relatives somewhere. Down I the think line. that's yeah. I think that's what they're trying to do. She, Jen, sent um, a link to an article that has the facial reconstructions of the victim, and it's incredible. Like, I mean, I don't know how accurate it is, but the fact that they can take just a skull and what you know and then create this and it's a fully fleshed out woman like very recognizable so we'll post it in the show notes go take a look if you think if you had family in this area around that time and you know who who knows stranger things have happened i also read that next to her body in the well a man's trouser and vest i believe were found Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering if the murderer also, that's where he discarded his clothes because her blood was on them or something. Yeah, I just want to get rid of the evidence. Mm -hmm. But also interesting, he thinks, okay, I'm going to dispose of the body, which, like she said, it was effective because it wasn't found for years. Mm -hmm. But based on the placement and the the where it was at, that it was preserved enough Mm -hmm. to do all these tests and to do these facial reconstructions. Well, hopefully, yeah, it's like you said, I just clicked on it. That is a, I mean, it's a sketch like it's mm-hmm. a full-out sketch that would resemble a photo somebody might have had of their family yeah. member so yeah check and it she's, out. she's got a very distinct look so mm-hmm. yeah i believe that the article said the combination of gas and something else helped preserve like the clothes in the body and they hire or they called in an expert on um like that period piece of clothing to mm-hmm. try and like pinpoint it it's just always fascinating these little niche jobs people have that if you need someone to identify 
the specific time of when this type of clothing came about, this is who you call. And that's their whole job. It's amazing. Knowing yeah. like this cut of trousers was mm-hmm. at this time to this time. And it would indicate it was sold in these higher end stores. So it would be a wealthier person or whatever. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, thank you so much, Jen. This next one is from Hannah. And the subject line is my less than six degree of separation from a murderer. Hello from Down Under. First of all, I want to say love the show. You've provided so much entertainment to my life. Even got my husband listening to some true crime podcast, keeping my fingers crossed that one day you decide to tour all the way to Australia. So anywho, this is my story of how I once knew, liked, and slept in the same house as an eventual murderer. It all started one day when my husband and I were driving to my parents' house, and as a passenger, I was scrolling through Facebook. I noticed all these weird posts on my sister's wall, people offering support or talking her down, and eventually her partner posting something along the lines of, please leave her alone, she doesn't know anything. I got to mom and dad's house, asked mom if she knew anything that was going on, and she had no idea. Kind of brushed it off and started scrolling through the local newspaper. When I came across this story, I gasped. Oh my God, I said to my parents, So have you heard about the guy who killed his family? It was all over the radio. Then I read the first line of the newspaper story out loud. Local man Corey Breen, a.k.a. my sister's boyfriend from her teenage years. Basically, he'd gone on a rampage, killed his father and stepmother in front of his two much younger step-siblings, and was on his way to Sydney to murder his mom and brother when his car broke down and he got arrested. This guy used to stay over at our house every Friday night, at least. I remember him mostly as the guy who used to take me to Blockbuster to choose DVDs and then get KFC for us. I also had a crush on his younger brother, who was about my age, who I thought looked like Josh Hartnett. My sister lived with him for a short while after high school, and other than that granny flat being full of death metal posters, I thought nothing of it. Maybe he was a bit weird, but I was also like 15. My mom said after the fact that she... Always thought there was something not right in his head, like he was empty in the eyes, but didn't necessarily think he was any danger. They think he had a bad drug trip and just snapped. Anyways, my sister was asked to be a character witness at his hearing, but she didn't do it. There's a video somewhere online of him confessing to the murders with bloodied hands, but I've never been able to watch it. So yeah, that's my kind of brush with true crime and my association that I have with someone who is a murderer. Thanks for taking the time to read my story. I really appreciate it. If you read it out on air, I'll be so happy because whilst I think it's interesting, you all get so many more fantastic submissions. Love, love, love your work and can't wait to hear more amazing tales of true crime and the supernatural from you. Keep it creepy. Well, one, this is a very interesting submission. So Mm -hmm. this, please don't think that this wasn't worthy, obviously. We read it because we found it very eerie and fascinating and creepy to think you again, like, do you really know somebody? Was this what was going on when he was in your life? Did like she said, did he have some sort of drug, bad drug trip and just kind of snapped? But especially when your sister lived with him. Yeah. And you think a lot of intimacy. Yeah. Or. How close did I come to possibly being a victim? It's it's very, very eerie and scary. Like you said, you don't know how much you know somebody. When you have 
you know, relatively fun memories of mm-hmm. having a crush on his brother, going to Blockbuster, things like that. And just the difference in how someone changes, especially over the years after you lose touch with them. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. Have you, did you go to school with anybody that later in life you found out was like a murderer or something or committed a heinous crime? Well, the opposite. We There's two different people that we went to high school with that were murdered within oh. maybe like 10, you know, before the 10-year reunion or thereabouts that mm-hmm. it was super shocking, both of them. Um, I, unrelated? They were unrelated, yes. Wow. But yeah, you just, you know, kind of hear through the grapevine. They weren't people I was particularly close with, but just kind of, they had both gone up through the same elementary, middle school, high school as me. So mm-hmm. we'd kind of all been from the same neighborhood, but you just kind of can't imagine that that happened. And of course, Mm -hmm. you know, feel for their families and the community that they lived in because they both still lived in Mesquite. So Mm. it's uh, just whatever, you know, moments, the last moments they were feeling and things like that. You just, I just, my mind flashes back to like, we used to play soccer together. We Mm -hmm. used to climb on the jungle gym together. And just, I mean, it's super heartbreaking to, you know, hear that that happens. And, and when, like I said, we all, we all lose touch and grow up and, and it's a scary, scary mm-hmm. world out there. Everybody's lives go in a different direction. I believe mm-hmm. a kid that I used to live down the street from uh, is currently in prison for murder. And there was a kid from down our street that's currently in prison, but it was of not, um, inappropriate relationships with children. Mm. Yeah. Well, we all, it's, uh, it always makes you think like the people that you just interact with, like, relationships come and go throughout your mm-hmm. lives and some stick, some don't. This sounds like it was a good one that it did not stick. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for submitting that one. This one is from Django Bowen, and it is the house of my dreams. When I was younger, anytime I had a bad dream set in a house, it was the same house. Sometimes it would be a monster chasing me through the house. Sometimes like in high school, it was a tense interpersonal situation trying to get someone at a party, but I'd keep getting waylaid and they'd get farther away. Or sometimes just a menacing vibe inside a house. There wasn't anything wrong with the house other than sometimes having that dream logic in the layout. Anyway, in my senior year of high school, I was living in Casper, Wyoming, which is smack dab in the middle of the state. Late one evening, a girl I had a crush on, let's call her Ellen, wanted to go visit some friends in Laramie, about two and a half hours away. Naturally, I volunteered to drive. We made it down to Laramie, where Ellen flirted mercilessly with an older dude we both knew from Casper, which was not how I'd hoped the night would go. But I was her ride home and didn't have a place to crash, so I just kind of hung around. About an hour before dawn, we headed to drive back to Casper. This was going to be a bummed-out drive for me, having just been the ride to my crush's previously unknown crush, but whatever. I figured she'd maybe sleep on the way. I'm the weirdo who didn't have a drop of alcohol until he was 36, so I was a little tired, but I was stone sober. When about 20 miles out of Laramie, we drove through a broke-down town called Bosler, population of about 40 people. A mile past Bosler, I looked to the east and saw maybe half a mile off the road a vacant house. Correction, I saw the house that I'd seen in my dreams so many times. This is in the middle of nowhere Wyoming, flat, So flat, like you can see the horizon in all directions kind of flat. I pulled off into a gravel lot, and we walked through the sage and scrub out to the house. The sun hadn't come up yet, but it was starting to get light. 
The prairie was covered in a thick mist just past the house, and it was chilly out, but not cold. The house was totally abandoned. Bosler is so small that the house hadn't even been vandalized much, even though it's only 20 miles from a college town. We went in the side door, and I instinctually knew my way around the place. The outside and the floor plan was exactly like my dreams, except for the weird shifting dream logic parts. I couldn't quite describe to Ellen how weird it was to be in that place. I'm not sure she would have believed me either. We stood at the broken-out windows in the back room, overlooking this misty prairie, watching the sunrise. As the sun burned off the mist, we discovered that the house was on the edge of a valley. The mist had been so thick, it had looked like the land kept going flat as far as we could see. But there was a drastic drop-off just beyond the house. After the sun rose, we walked back to the car and drove home to Casper. I'm pretty sure Ellen slept most of the way. I just thought about the house. I haven't had a dream set in that place since. You can see the house and the pullout where we parked on Google Maps. It's just a little ways past Lone Road on Highway 287, a bit north of Bosler. There's a discoloration in a circle around the house, now just a foundation, really, that probably has a totally reasonable explanation. And you can see where the valley is by the texture of the ground. Seek it out at your own risk, I guess. Whoa. Well, I did. Did you? Django. (laughs) I did. The bravery to just pull over and go, let's walk into that seemingly abandoned house. You better hope it's actually abandoned. A a house of, uh, or a a town of 40 people, when you're from Texas, you don't stop in. No, no. And just in general, I'm like, you guys, yeah, y'all know I'm not from here. You can tell because you can count (laughs) on your fingers and toes how many people you do know probably. Yeah. Yeah, but how bizarre to, it's that feeling, that deja vu feeling of like, but you know even before you get in that you've been there, you see it and you go, oh, that's exactly like the house from a recurring dream that I've had for years and years. Yeah, it's like drawing you there, going back to the same place. That's mm-hmm. so weird. And the plot of a horror movie glad it turned out okay for y'all <laughs> yes but in the movie it doesn't <laughs> or no, maybe for one of you but not both you walk into the house and you're in your own dreams and oh, you can't get back out <laughs> that's a good plot i like that Freaky. yeah it's on the especially it being on the edge of a cliff that's like i don't like that i'm glad you walked into the house and didn't walk well yeah because if it's so misty that you can't really see you just walk right off the edge Mm-mm. you don't even know what hit you Mm-mm. No, mm. that is freaky, but thank you for sharing that. That is a wild one. Mm-hmm. Well, this next one we have is from Jamie S., and the subject line is Ouija board proof and early 90s shenanigans. Okay, my two favorite ladies, let's get into it. First of all, I know, but I was young, and it was 1991. Senior year of high school, my best friend and I were using the Ouija board. I know, I know now but casually and really just screwing around with it. Funny tangent story, we first tried it in eighth grade, but got nervous and had the idea to turn on the radio to keep us company. I shit you not, Devil Inside by NXS started at that moment. We both screamed and threw it out the window. She lived right next to a Catholic church parking lot and there were people outside, so that was awesome, but I digress. Although, I do now wish we never waited for them to go inside and snuck out to grab it back. Anyway... One night, senior year, my boyfriend at the time was over, and so was she. He saw it and convinced us to play, even though by that point we were freaked out by enough of the things to have not touched it for a while. Well, he was a grade-A asshat, 
and immediately started with the taunting and show yourself then, I'm more powerful than you, etc. It was quite effective because the next thing you know, there's the scariest guy I have ever seen in the room with us. Asshat immediately panics and starts crying. Friend and I are all like, well, no shit, you soggy walnut. What did you expect? A year and a bit later, I'm home from college for the summer and new boyfriend Mike, the engineering major, comes to visit. He sees the board and says, there's no way those things work. I get very still and say, oh, yes, they fucking do. Fast forward through a bicker and we start using it. At first, there isn't much of anything happening, mostly because he's so adamant it can't work. Then he thinks he must be moving it subconsciously. So he takes his hands off and asks it questions I would have no way of knowing while I'm the only one touching it. I know, especially since I'd seen Witchboard with the incomparable Tawny Katane by then and knew better, but that's just how important it is for me to be right sometimes. After it came up with things like his mom's maiden name, third grade teacher, poster in the old treehouse, I'm old, there was no social media, he started to believe it a bit. He put his hands back on and then completely froze. He said, babe, there's a super creepy guy sitting in the chair behind you. I didn't say anything other than screaming at myself in my head for touching the damn thing again. Shut it down, walked over to the phone, called my best friend, didn't even say hi. I just said, tell Mike what the guy looks like, and handed him the phone. He turned white as a sheet and looked like he'd seen a ghost, because all I had to say was the guy, and she knew exactly who I meant and started describing him. Sarcastic yay for demon boards sold as toys and the teenage girls that use them for fun. Keep it creepy, but not that creepy. I need more information. On the ghost? On, yeah, the yeah. the two encounters with this man. What happened? How long was he there? What did he look like? Did you ask him to leave? Did he just disappear? I, I gotta, I need more. Jamie, yes, I need more. <laughs> we need details. How did you get rid of him? Is my question, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you put the board away, he like gets bored and leaves, but... Like Jumanji style? He's trapped yes. in it? <laughs> that's all you have to do is just put the board away. Yeah, that's that's it. Also, high school boyfriend has some Zach Bagans vibes of like, show yourself, <laughs> right? but you weren't here. <laughs> twist. This was Zach Bagans. <laughs> that's the first ghost he saw, and now he's super famous because oh, of Oh, yeah. He does uh, say that he was never a believer until he saw one and then became a believer. So for all we know, is, this is his origin story. <laughs> where he came from. He's like, I had my chain wallet in the 90s. I was ready. <laughs> well, thank you, Jamie, for sending that. And we would love a description of the yeah. creepy man, um, what your friend described to Mike and what you all both saw. We if would you would like that. to send an artist rendering, yes, you may do so at sinisterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to see it. Please, please. This next one is from Ashley with the subject line ghost cat and a content warning. It involves pet loss. Here's another little ghost pet story for you. I had a beautiful mischievous black cat named Ivan for 13 years. Someone had thrown him out during hurricane Ivan. So that's where he gotten his name from. Truth be told, he could be annoying. Sometimes he talked all the time and loved to yowl at night. He would get on the counters when he knew he wasn't supposed to be and when caught, would run, knocking off anything in his way. He mostly loved to annoy my husband, though. My husband, Josh, didn't want him in his room because Ivan was always rubbing on things, especially his stereo, where he seemed to delight in changing the channels and the volume by hitting the knobs with his head. Josh would scream at him to get out. 
Ivan would cuss him out in cat language and run out of the room. It was a daily occurrence. Ivan was getting older and thinner, and one day I went to check on him, and he was laying in his bed, dying. I grabbed him, wrapped him in a blanket, and held him, sobbing until he passed, telling him it was okay and what a good kitty he was. He talked to the very end. It was terrible. I loved that little brat dearly. I buried him, wrapped in his blankets. A few days later, odd things started happening. We'd see a little shadow scoot across the floor and joke that it was Ivan, because he was nearly impossible to see on our dark wood floors when he was alive. He was always getting stepped on. But I swear the shadow looked like him running from our feet like when he was alive. Then, Josh's stereo started changing channels and volume on its own. He'd asked if it was me, but I never touched the thing. Again, jokes about Ivan since he loved to annoy Josh. The final kicker was when we had a friend over for dinner, and we were joking with him that we had an Ivan ghost. We finished telling the things that had happened, and instantly on the island behind us that no one was touching, a fork fell off a plate and onto the floor. Our friend just beat feet out of there, and we busted out laughing, saying it was just Ivan. Now things have calmed down, and I don't see the little shadows anymore, and the stereo is no longer messed with. I honestly don't believe in ghosts, but I can't deny that there were some weird things happening. I don't have all the answers, so maybe I'm wrong, and Ivan hung around for a little while longer to just cause a little more mischief before he crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Ivan sounds like Cleo, who was my cat for, oh man, I got her in 2001, I believe, and she passed in 20. 17 because Ella had recently been born. So wow. she was 16 or so. Yeah. And she, Ivan is a black cat. She was an orange cat. And if, if you own an orange cat, if you know, you know, there's like a whole thing about orange cats are like that very loud and, t- and she was a tabby. So just mm. constantly talking. So I get that. She would also get up on stuff she wasn't supposed to. But of course, warts and all, you you love yeah. them so much, yeah. And that's part of the reason why you love them is their sassy personality, mm-hmm. talking back and messing with the radio. And cats are smart; like they mm-hmm. know. He knew that he was fucking with Josh. Oh yeah, I knew what he was doing. He and he, he knew to do Josh it. was like not having it. And animals usually, if you don't like them, they're like, "Well, guess what? I love. You. I don't give a shit." And here <laughs> I am. So. Yeah, but I I like that he um, was like, I'm not not done yet. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe it was his way of helping his mom heal a little bit because that's always rough when an animal passes at home. We were just talking about that the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, now he's he's crossed the rainbow bridge to go yeah. be with all his little. Kitty friends. Yeah, you want to mess with everybody one last time Mm -hmm. before saying goodbye. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. And the final one is the subject line, the eye in the wall from Talkie Soundbox. This story was originally posted to Reddit by me under the same username. That's my handle on Instagram, Reddit, and elsewhere. Love your show and love being a patron. So this happened to me when I was around six or seven years old. And I'm unsure if it was just a crazy dream, false memory, or what. But here goes. When I was young, aforementioned six or seven, my grandparents and I took a trip to my great-grandma's house for a family reunion-style get-together. We stayed for five days, and the days were fun, but the nights were a different story altogether. 
I was set to sleep in a spare room on some rickety old bunk beds with my older, I think she was nine, cousin, Lori. She took the bottom bunk and I took the top because everybody knows the top bunk is cooler. Literally, the house has no air conditioning and it was closer to the ceiling fan. Lori's mom was out of work and had been staying with my great grandma to get back on track and try to find a job. Across from the bunk beds, there was a big hole in the wall where I was told my great uncle Buck had fallen down trying to roller skate in the house and his elbow had gone through the wall. The first night I slept there, nothing happened. Or if it did, I was so sleepy from the long drive, I didn't notice. But the second night, I got really freaked out. After Lori and I got in our bunks and her mom turned the lights out, I didn't fall asleep for a while. And when I did, it felt like I woke back up immediately. The room was still dark, and when I rolled over to try to look down at the clock on the opposite wall, my eyes were drawn to the hole. It took me a minute to realize what I was seeing, because there was something lighter color moving in the hole. You know how at night when it's really dark, you can kind of see light white things? The hole had this really weird look of moving white in it, and I leaned and squinted to try to see what it was. Eventually, it got still and I realized it was an eyeball. Imagine if you were to look in a dollhouse through a hole you made in the wall of it. It was like I was the doll inside, and this big eyeball was looking through the hole. The white I saw moving was the white of the eye growing larger and smaller as the pupil looked around different parts of the room. Now the hole in the wall wasn't tiny. I'd say it was the size of an irregularly shaped dinner plate. So for the eye to take up so much of it, I couldn't even see the entire thing, it had to be huge. I was paralyzed with fear and pulled the covers up over my head and laid there sweating in total silence until I eventually fell asleep and morning came. If it had just happened once, I'd say it was all just a bizarre dream. But every night I slept in that room, the eye came back. I'd fall asleep, then jolt awake later, and there it would be in the hole, and I'd be too scared to move. It's a miracle I didn't wet the bed because if I had to go, I'd never been brave enough to get up. I never mentioned it to my grandparents because I was convinced they'd think it was bad dreams and take away my TV privileges. Isn't it messed up how as a kid you're more concerned with losing TV access than something that was scaring you so bad at night that you were paralyzed? I did, however, bring it up with Lori on our last day there, and I'll never forget what she said to me, even though it's been over 20 years. She looked me in the face, no laughing, and said, It's okay. He can't get through there. He's too big. To this day, I have no idea what she meant by this. Who's he? Did she see it too? I would have thought she was teasing me, but she said it in such a matter-of-fact way I didn't and still don't know how to take it. Years later, I asked her about it, and she claims not to remember the incident at all. This has led me to speculate that maybe it was just a recurring dream I had as a child, and me asking her was just a false memory, but I don't know. It's something that has stuck with me in a way that some of the other childhood nightmares I had haven't. If you made it through that giant block of text, thank you. I just felt like I needed to share this weird thing I've been thinking back on for years. Well, don't love it. (laughs) Don't love the thought of that, but very good story. Very, very creepy. It's, It's very reminiscent of a Twilight Zone episode. That's true, especially the, like, he's too big. He can't get here. Mm -hmm. Get through. He's too big. Well, how would you know he can't get through? And he's too big unless he's tried to get through the hole. Or at least she's she's saying, she's validating, I've seen him too. Mm -hmm. He's there. Yeah, but he, I mean, maybe just, 
uh, putting it together, like, well, his eye is so big, so he couldn't mm-hmm. fit through there. But or like you said, he's he's tried to get through. There's a Twilight Zone episode that I remember where um, all of these people are trying to get out of this room and like crawl over a wall to get mm-hmm. out of this room, totally and then at the one. end it zooms out and you see that they are all like small dolls in a dollhouse type thing but actual people so this is gives me those types of vibes they're really just tiny dolls we're mm-hmm. all dollhouses in some giant I mean, doll play area yeah that's uh super creepy um i coincidentally was reading some stuff that i had written in my notes app and one of them was old dreams i'd had and these weren't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I was reading this last night. Everyone's asleep around me. And out loud, I just go, what? Oh, What the fuck was I doing? Like, it was, I have zero memory of this dream. And in fact, when I read it, at first I thought, what is this? Did, is, did I copy and paste this from something else? Because I had zero recollection of it. So I didn't think I it was about me. And then I realized because of, some people's names in it that, Oh no, I had, I had written this. So it's interesting how our memories suck. We, you know, like did something really happen? Did it not? Is this a false memory? Am I just trying, is my brain trying to piece things together to make sense of it? So I've kind of created this, this story, but it made me think I need to start writing down a lot more. Just like I talked about the other day, because I forget things and then going back and reading, it's like, Reading about someone else's life almost. Mm-hmm. It's just like a completely different perspective, mm-hmm. especially dreams and things like that. And the weird ones, you know, if you have parallel dreams, where you're like kind of deja vu sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. is that just a dream I've had before, like a recurring dream or something? But yeah, this here is something it sounds like you can never forget that. Even if it was just a dream, that's still mm-hmm. so absolutely freaky that you wouldn't forget it. But that is strange to have. One person remember it and one person mm-hmm. not. But that, I mean, I find that happens all the time that I'll have memories of my childhood. I'll tell my sister about. But then, like, my friend Marilla grew up with me from, like, kindergarten. And she'll be like, don't you remember? And we did this, this, and this. Or I'll remember, oh, I remember this one time we found a wad of money. And I'll text her and say, like, do you remember what we did with it? And then she, she'll she remember half of a story that I won't mm-hmm. or whatever. We just have that, you know. There's not that much shelf space in my brain or vice versa. Well, she'll go, no, I don't remember when we did that. So it's good to have, you know, other people that, you know, you grew up with to keep in contact with mm-hmm. to go, hey, cousin, do you remember when that eyeball sure. was sticking through Meemaw's <laughs> wall? And it's like, no, you're like, oh, God, it's worse that you I don't know if it's worse that you said yes or no. I think the answer is what we discovered on our live stream last night with the am I the asshole we did. <laughs> you got to keep a. Yeah. Diary that is a legal binder thick diary of printed out <laughs> daily occurrences I'm trying, what of was your that, life. Four inches? That's the only way. Yeah. Oh, it was easily. Easily four inches. And some pages were laminated. It was typed out. It was color coded. It was a Dated. whole thing. Oh, yeah. But it proved his story. It proved he wasn't lying to all the Redditors that doubted him. If you were not on the live stream, we did uh, one of our wheel topics was Am I the Asshole? And this gentleman had this story and people in the comments said, we think you're lying. And he said, edit, I went up to the loft and I got down my diaries. Diaries. And also, Plural. it was this was posted a year ago-ish. So 
the diary entry was dated 1999. Yeah. I don't think if you have a binder full from 1999 that you just stopped. No. And if it's like no. in the loft, your whole loft is full. Yeah, it's that lo- that's the diary loft. It's the binder loft. Yeah, the loft. implication yeah. is yeah, there's floor a lot to ceiling going on. binders are in that loft. <laughs> 100%. That was a fun. And we shared our screen so we could all see all see the giant yes. bi- binder yeah. diary, bindery. Yes. Uh, if you have a desire to see that and you're not a patron, go and join and you'll have immediate access to it. It was it was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to everybody that sent in your stories. We so appreciate it. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being. Send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. Hey, Christy, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I don't know. Doing a show in Atlanta? Yeah. Well, at first my brain went, well, because uh, we're not in Atlanta right now. Because we recorded this <laughs> earlier. I thought, I don't know. What are you doing? Are we, or you want to do something? And then I realized, oh, because this comes out when we're in Atlanta. And my answer is, I want to do a show at the Atlanta Symphony Hall about a local topic that's super badass. I'm very excited about this topic and want to be this topic when I grow up, honestly, if I'm <laughs> yes, not same. slightly already. Uh, I think this topic is an amalgamation of both of our personalities into <laughs> yes. one mega one mega character. Yeah, so it's we found amazing. the person that um, uh, encapsulates both of us. Both of our best sides. So, so well. Well, if you all want to hang out with us uh, tonight, which is June 3rd at Atlanta Symphony Hall, you can. And if not, we're probably coming to a town near you at some point soon. You should go to SinisterHood.com slash live shows. You get tickets, dates, information, etc. And if you don't want to come to see us, come to see Baby. Because Baby, oh, there's Baby. Heather's <laughs> holding them up. Baby now has a homemade... Sinisterhood shirt, courtesy of Nancy McKinney. So if you have not yet um, been graced with baby's presence, come. he's he's coming on the tour with us, so you got to come meet him. We will pack baby. Actually, <laughs> we might have to have baby as a lap child. He's going to have, he'll have his own carrier. <laughs> <laughs> we love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, which for the month of May was a Rodney Reed update, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, or baby. Visit <laughs> Sinisterhood.com and click shop in the top banner. 
The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. Also, share any of the episodes that we do with them. Just click those three little dots in the right corner, the top of the screen, and you can just share whatever you'd like. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I am on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO, and I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace. Heather, what about you? I am on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. We're also on TikTok and on YouTube, so check us out. Yes, we are. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister Hood.